0: Just um, as we get started on, on the message reel, really, I want to say if any of you want to take part in our Ask It Challenge, you just need to come and ask us, okay. or you can write on our Facebook wall that you want to take part and you need to tell us what your specialised chosen subject is. okay. I think you've got 16 to beat, is the leaderboard, okay. which was Lee this morning, uh, and just be a part of that, it'll be a bit of fun uh, as we build. Um, at the start of 2015, I have a prophetic word for you this morning that I want to share with each and every one of you, and the prophetic word is this, um, in 2015, you will have to make some decisions. How powerful a prophetic word is that? You will be faced through this year with opportunities where you need to make a decision of what you're going to do. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a response. And the question will be, how will you make that decision? How will you make that choice? How will you make that response? Maybe what you'll do is consult the Magic 8-Ball. If you've ever seen this, is an American thing, but it was over here in the UK. Has anyone ever seen this before? Yeah, it's been in Gadget shot. And basically the idea is that you just turn it over and shake it a bit, and then there's answers that come up in the triangle. In fact, uh, our church is led by a team of elders, okay, uh, men and women that lead the church. And we had our first elders' meeting Monday night, and I took this into the elders' meeting and said, Guys, this year, this is how we're going to make decisions, Okay. <laughs> And uh, there was a few worried looks around the table, my my wife was one of them as well, and then I said, I'm only kidding. But basically, you ask a question, and then you shake it and turn it over, and it gives you an answer. So, for instance, if I was to ask the question, will my beloved football team, Aston Villa, be relegated this year? I'm waiting for an answer. It's not coming. Oh, it's not even going to work. Hang on. Absolutely, it's the answer. Great. So ask me a question, go on, someone ask me a question. Will petrol be less than one pound? Don't bet on it. It says here. (laughs) It kind of comes through. Ask me another one. Come on, anyone ask me a question. Sorry? The answer says, I can't say now. Now, before some of you experienced Christians start heading for the door, this is just a joke, okay? We don't really make decisions. But do you know what? Some people do make decisions on that kind of logic. They make that kind of decisions based on something quite mystical, quite random, even quite superstitious. But could it be that there could be one single question that if you were to ask it, and if you were to let it ask you, get to a good decision, could there be one single question that could save you time, tears and money? I believe that there is one single question that can do that. Now, here's something else to think about. One thing that we all have in common in this room is this. We've all done stupid things. Am I right? And if you look back over your life and you think, how on earth could I do that? How on earth could I let that happen? Most of us will say, I just don't know how that happened. Am I right? But we look back and we think, how did that happen? You know, and maybe you look back right now and you think, yeah, if, if only there was a question that if I'd have asked it at the time, it would have saved me all the time, tears, and money and maybe even regret that I feel right now. Maybe you think back to a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe you think back to a tattoo and you think, you know, why did I do that? Or maybe you look back to something else. In fact, I was thinking about this and chatting to my wife yesterday. and said, Is there anything stupid that I've ever done in my life? And she says, no, Leon, never. Then I realized I was in the wrong house. So we went, I went to the right house uh, and talked to my real wife. And, and, and we, we reminisced over when we were first married. We're both quite strong people, as you can imagine, those of you that know us. And we were, in our early years of marriage, we were very volatile. We used to have arguments a lot. And uh, early on in our marriage, we didn't have kids. And, and I'm, I'm not proud to admit this. We got into an argument and um, it got to such a stage where I took a little bit of food and flicked it at her. Okay? I know, it's not a, I'm not proud of it, but I did it. She then flicked a little bit back, then I then flicked a little bit back. She then picked up something and threw it at me. It was a bag of frozen peas. Okay, I ducked, it hit the wall, peas everywhere. And then we descended into fits of laughter and thought, why are we so stupid? You know? And I thought, was there a question I could have asked or we could have asked at that time, which would have saved us that argument and all of those peas? Because it took three weeks to find every single one of those peas that were scattered across our kitchen. Is there a single question that if we were to ask it, it could change Everything well, I believe that there is. Now, I want to credit this talk where it's due. Some months ago, I heard this talk. Um, it's a guy that I follow a little bit. His name is Andy Stanley, he's the pastor of a North Point church in Atlanta, Georgia, in America. And I heard this, this talk, and I thought that is such a brilliant talk for the start of the year. I want to pass it on to you guys as a church. So, this is his talk, it's his framework with a few bits added in from me, but it's his framework and it's his genius. Okay, it's certainly not mine, and I want to credit him because it's amazing. And basically, we're gonna find this magical, if you like, or this, this this incredible question in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. So if you've got a Bible, if you follow, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Now if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not someone of faith, let me just explain to you a little bit about the background. This is a book in the Bible. The Bible is a collection of 66 books in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the New Testament, which is all post-Jesus, um, there are the Gospels and then there are letters written by various Christian leaders. One of those Christian leaders was Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament. Now when Paul first appeared on the pages of history, he was not a follower of Jesus. In fact, he hated followers of Jesus. He not only hated them, he wanted to hurt them. And actually the Bible records in history that what Paul did, he was a religious leader, part of the Jewish background, is that he regularly persecuted Christians. And then on one day, as he was uh, uh, going on, on a horse or whatever to, to, to Damascus, uh, he had an experience where, where there was a light, there was a voice. And he, out of that one experience, he went from being someone who hated and hurt Christians to being someone who was a Christian and who was a leader of Christians. It was an incredible turnaround. It's a little bit like, it's a little bit like an Ast- a West Bromwich Albion supporter, okay, coming out of the Hawthorns on a, on a Saturday afternoon when they've won, which I know you did yesterday, first time for everything, and they come out, okay, and as they're walking down the street, there's a light, they fall to their knees, and there's a voice, and they wake up, and they are now a Villa fan. They've seen the light. They've passed from darkness to light. It's a little bit, but it's better than that. It's then the next day when they go to work, they actually go to work with a scarf around their neck in claret and blue, telling everyone else what, what has happened to them and what an amazing team the villa are. This was before yesterday. This, this illustration worked before yesterday. It doesn't now. But that's, you might think that's too, fa- that's too far-fetched. That would require an act of God. Well, what happened to Paul did require an act of God, and he had it. Now, this, this morning, you might say, you might be someone here this today and you think you don't get all that act of God bit. But I want to say to you, even if you don't get the act of God bit, even if you're not yet sure if there is a God, I want to encourage you to ask this question. It will change your life. So if you're not a follower, this question is for you as well. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have any choice other than to ask this question. okay Because this question is so intrinsic to the whole of the Bible. It's so intrinsic to what God would want to say and communicate to us. So, Paul writes this letter to Ephesians, which is a group of people in Ephesus and in the surrounding region, encouraging them how to live their lives well, to please God, and how to live their lives well, to get the most out of their one and only life. And in these three verses, we're going to find this question. So Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17 says this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Very simple verses. But they are so profound if we can really understand what he's saying. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. When the Bible speaks about foolishness, it doesn't speak about IQ. It doesn't speak about that. It's a whole different thing. It's about knowing what the right thing is to do and doing it. People who have very high cues can be foolish in the way that the Bible describes it. And people with very low IQs can have wisdom. So foolishness is not to do with how much you know. It's to do with doing the right stuff. And this is what Paul says. These three short verses contain the one question that I think answers just about everything. But before we, I show you what the question is, we need to dig a little deeper. When Paul uses the word live, be careful in how you live. It literally means how you walk. And what he's referring to is it's a visual term for when you walk, watch where you walk in case you don't step into something that you don't want to step into. Anyone out had that experience? That's basically what Paul's saying. Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. Walk in life with your eyes open so you don't step into something you don't want to step into. And he says, not as unwise, in other words careless, but as wise, which means careful. Then he says, making the most of every opportunity. This phrase is a concept around time. It means you've got to redeem the time because it's limited. You can make more money, you cannot make more time. Yeah? You cannot make more time. So Paul's saying, be really careful, not careless, how you walk, how you live. Don't step into things you don't want to step into. Because you can make more money, but you can't make more time. You've got to make the most of every opportunity. And then he says, because the days are evil. And what he's referring to here is this concept that the days are evil that we live in. The culture around us is so strong that it's like a current that will sweep us off to where we don't want to go. Several years ago, I was on a trip out in Bulgaria. We've been on hundreds of trips to Bulgaria. But this was quite a few years ago, and we were there with a team. And uh, Lee, who was the worship leader this morning, and who was in the Ask It Challenge, was also on that particular trip. And uh, we were rooming with a Bulgarian friend of mine who was in his 20s, I think at the time, in his late 20s. Um, of, he was young, fit and athletic, exactly the same as me and Lee. And um, I know. Uh, and one day he said, he said to us, hey, I'd really like to take you two guys to my favourite place in Bulgaria. Would you like to come? And we said, yeah, of course we'd like to come. And he said, I'll pick you up at 5.30 in the morning. Which I thought, I don't really want to go, to be honest with you. But we did go. And then he said, bring some swimming trunks. Definitely didn't want to go. He's young, fit and athletic, and we're clearly not. So anyway, we went at 5.30 in the morning, a two-hour drive up the coast. And we went to his favorite place in all of Bulgaria, which is a cliff. And we, we were going to scramble down a cliff and then we were going to swim out to this cave uh, that he said was uh, an incredible. Now, the reality is, I make doggy... When I swim, okay, doggy paddle will be an overstatement about what I do, all right? It's more like doggy drowning than a doggy paddle. But the current in the sea was so strong that as this young, fit, athletic Bulgarian guy was swimming off towards the cave, me and Lee were like, ah. You know? And the current was so strong that at one point, we both thought we were going to die, okay? Because the current was so strong, it was taking us to where we didn't want to go. Basically, at into the sea and what Paul is saying is the days are so evil that if you take your feet off the floor the current will sweep you where you don't want to go and you in your life will end up in a place you never dream you'd end up unless you ask this one question and here is the question that we want to ask what Paul is saying in these verses is this here is the question that answers just about everything what's the wise thing to do? You think, wow, is that it? Is that all the build-up, Leon? You've taken 15 minutes to build that. What's the wise thing to do could save you time, tears, money, and maybe even some frozen peas? If you ask this one question, what's the wise thing to do, it could alter everything in your life. You see, I'm not saying what's the legal thing to do, what's the easiest thing to do, what's the most pleasant thing to do. You see, we ask the wrong question, but what is the wise thing to do? You see, the person who is the easiest to deceive in the world is yourself. You know that, don't you? And you see, most of us, okay, we never plan for our marriages to break up. We never plan for our kids to end up a mess. We never plan for our finances to end up out of control. We never plan for our life to be controlled by addictions and unhealthy habits. Nobody plans to mess up their lives. We just don't plan not to. We don't plan. We don't set out to plan to mess up our lives. We just don't plan not to. This question will help you plan not to mess up your life if you ask it. If you ask it. Now, it's a deeper question than that. And we're going to open it up into a deeper way. So here's the first thing. okay? In the light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? See, that, that, that puts some depth and perspective into the question. See, what's the wise thing to do is not necessarily the same for you that it's for me. It depends on our past experiences. This is where it gets a little deeper. This is where we will start to get a little more resistant. In the light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? See, your past is not my past. What might be wise for you might not be wise for me. Do you know why history keeps repeating itself? Because we don't learn from our past, do we? And so when we've in something in our life, we think, well, yeah, that happened then. And that's what it did. And yeah, it was a real mess. It was a train wreck. But hey, this time it'll be different, won't it? Because this time, yeah, I'll be able to manage the outcome so differently. The Bible would call that foolishness. Really, in the light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing for me to do? There are certain places I can go to as a Christian and they won't affect me in an unhealthy way. But for some of you, you go to them and they will, won't they? Because in the light of your past experiences, which are different from mine, wisdom would suggest you do one thing, whereas wisdom might suggest I do something different. Wow. Paul would say, if you don't learn from the past, you're foolish. The Bible would say that as well. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8 from the message, the the wisdom of the wise keeps life on track. What a great phrase. The foolishness of fools lands them in the ditch. Proverbs 4, 6 to 7, don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. I think what we do, and I've been thinking about this, is, is like we react sometimes like, you know that Matt Lucas character, Vicky Pollard, if you ever seen it? Yeah, but no, but. Yeah, but no, but. Anyone seen that? You know what I'm on about? And we say, yeah, that, that, that's wise. That is, but. Yeah, but no, but. And that's what we do. We resist the wisdom because we don't want to do it. Or because or we do want to do something and we kind of know that it's not wise for us, but we go, yeah, but, no, but. Yeah, but. And if you look at the four kind of key areas of our life, professionally, relationally, financially, spiritually, we could open this up. Professionally, what's the wise thing to you In the light of your past experiences. So maybe you keep moving around job to job to job. You might stop and say, hey, why does that keep happening? You know, it can't be the boss's fault every time. Maybe I need to learn something from what is happening. Maybe relationally, Wow. You know, I've never known anyone attribute their marriage problems to waiting too long before they get married. But I know lots of people who attribute their marriage problems to not waiting long enough. Because history keeps repeating itself because we don't learn from the past. Maybe financially. You know, our problem, I think, in in our culture is the difference between being rich and feeling rich. Do you know what? Statistically, nearly every single one of you in this room will fit into the top 3% richest people on the planet. You know that, don't you? You are rich. The problem is we don't feel it. And because we don't feel rich, that's what ends up making decisions, financial decisions, which end up being a train wreck. Because we don't ask the right kind of questions. Is this the wise thing to do, given my past experience? So I got into debt a lot. You get into debt a lot. Why don't we ever say, do you know what? I'm not going to get into debt. But what we often do is we don't learn from our past experiences. We overextend ourselves and then history repeats itself. And the Bible calls that foolishness. In the light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do spiritually? This time I can handle it. Really? Bible again would call that foolishness. Those who don't pay attention to what, they got into, what got them into trouble yesterday are likely to end up in the same trouble tomorrow. And I'm not saying this to have a go at anyone. You know, I think the heart of the gospel, the heart of, of, of God is he wants the best for us, but he gives us free will and choice. And when we end up making decisions which end up a train wreck, his heart goes out to us, but there is wisdom if we'll only accept it. Yeah? If we'd only say, hey, in the light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing for me to do? If we ask it and we deal with the answer, it will change our life. But there's another dimension to this. Not only in the light of my past experiences, but secondly, in the light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? See, your current circumstances are different to mine. Maybe you just got married. You see, when you just get married and you say, yeah, but this is what I used to do before. Yeah, but you just got married now. You can't live like that if you want to have a good marriage. You've got to stop doing certain things and start doing other things because your circumstances are different. That's wisdom. Keep doing what you did before is foolishness. It's really simple. And maybe for you, you've just got to adjust to that. You just got divorced. That's heartbreaking. You're ready for someone new. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're too vulnerable right now. now, Not forever, but maybe right now you are. In your current circumstances, what is wisdom for you? In the light of your current vulnerability, not forever, but right now. Maybe you just started a new job. Maybe you just had a baby, or a second baby, or a third baby, or a fourth baby. What's wisdom for you? Stop. Watch more TV. Have a hobby. I'm just joking. But <laughs> Some of you parents identify with that. But in the light of your current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? And then there's a third dimension to this. In the light of my future hopes and dreams... What's a wise thing to do? The light of where you want to be in the future in your life, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, in the light of where you see your life heading, what's the wise thing to do? You see, I, I am totally convinced of this. It is a tragedy to trade in tomorrow for something now that won't be with us tomorrow. I've met so many people in life who've traded in their tomorrow for something that won't exist in their tomorrow. Because they didn't ask this question. In the light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Personal vision is often a catalyst for wise decisions. And you might think, oh yeah, that this this person or this thing is so enticing to you that you want to go for it. But actually, it doesn't belong to your future, so why would you choose it now? It's not the wise thing to do. So, let's put all that together. In the light of my past experiences, current circumstances, future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? I have to say, I think this is genius. Wow, what's the wise thing? In the light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And you know, if you start resisting this question, I want to suggest you are not as committed to your best interests as you'd like to think. And here's the challenge, not only asking the question, but being willing to go with the right answer. So what I'd like to do this morning, is i like us to say this out loud a couple of times, because I want to get you used to saying this out loud, because I honestly say out of love and concern for every single one of you, I want, God wants more than I do, your life to go really well. And we can't guarantee a lot of things that happen to us, but in the middle of that, we can guarantee the choices that we make. So why don't we read this out loud together? In the light of my past experiences, current circumstances... Future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And then in the last five minutes, let's think about one thing and relate it to this question that that is common to all of us, and that's time. What are we going to do with time during 2015? You know, the Bible says in Job 14, verse 5, A person's days are determined. You have decreed the numbers of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Here's the one thing. You can make more money, you cannot make more time. Isn't that right? There are limits that it can't exceed. And I've noticed as I'm getting older that, that I'm saying more and more and I'm hearing more and more people say this. Where's the time gone? Anyone ever heard that or said that? Where's, I'll tell you where it's gone. It's gone away, is not it? That's where time goes. It goes away. So we can't do anything about that. There are limits that we cannot exceed. So what are we going to do with the time that we've got? How are we going to make the most of every opportunity? And I want to give you five principles this morning. And this is, I honestly say, this is great stuff. If you have if any wisdom, if you've got any heart to really want to make the most out of life, you'd write these things down and you'd think about these because these are great things. Number one, there is a cumulative value in investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. There is cumulative value in investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. Let me give you an example. Exercise. Let me give you another example. Date night. Dinner with the family. Your devotional life, if you're a follower. Coming to church. Those are small investments of time over a long period of time. Cumulatively, they will have a benefit to you. There are lots of other things you can do with your time, but is it wise? Secondly, There are rarely any immediate consequences for neglecting single installments of time in any area of your life. So in other words, you miss a run, no big deal. You miss a a dinner dinner date with your family, no big deal. You miss church one Sunday, the world doesn't stop turning. There are rarely any noticeable differences with missing a few of those things. But number three, neglect has a cumulative effect. Just look at your garden. Yep, some of you are nodding. Yep, got so you miss mowing your lawn one Saturday no big deal you don't mow it for six months neglect has a cumulative effect and what I want to say to you is this folks that if we neglect really important things which are only small investments of time over a long period it will have a cumulative effect we'll suddenly realize that we're not in the physical shape that we want to be we'll suddenly realize that we're not as connected to our families as we want to be we'll suddenly look at each other as married couples and think who are you We'll suddenly look at our devotional life and we'll think, I don't really know God. God doesn't really speak to me. He seems to speak to everyone else. Why is that? Because we've neglected it over a long period of time. What we've done is that we've let time drive us rather than make the most of the time that we've actually got. And you know, there are lots of things that you can do with the time that you've got. But I want to ask you to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do with the time that I've got And you might say, you know, well, yeah, neglect has a cumulative effect. You know, listen to me. Last week, last week, someone sent me a message saying that their marriage had broken up. Someone that I hadn't seen for a long, long time. On the same day, I heard that somebody else's marriage had broken up. In the last few months, six people that I know, some of whom are some of my closest friends, marriages have broken up. They are all Christians. And I want to say to you folks this morning, None of those happened overnight. They all happened over a long period of time. And the key word was neglect. And I'm not judging them. I love them all to bits. But I look at my own life and our marriage, and I think if we neglect over a long period of time certain things, if we choose to do certain things with time over other things, the cumulative effect will be that our garden is not what we want it to look like. That our marriage is not what we want it to look like. That our devotional life is not what we want it to look like. Why? Because neglect has a cumulative effect. A band called Casting Crowns wrote a song years ago called Slow Fade, where they said, No marriage breaks up overnight, it's a slow fade. No family falls apart, it's a slow fade. Nobody's character gets demolished overnight, it's a slow fade. It's the cumulative effect and power of neglect. And I want to say to you, you can neglect coming to church if you want. And you can do loads of other things with it. But I will guarantee you this. If you neglect coming to church consistently, A, you won't be able to tell me what you did with that time. And secondly, your spiritual life, your devotion life will not be what you want it to be. You see, even Jesus went to church. Read the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus went to the temple as was his custom. And if Jesus went, as was his custom, to anchor his spiritual life to his Father in that collection of the community, of the gathering, I'm sure that I need to do that and I'm sure you do as well. What can we do with the time? Number four, number four, there is no cumulative value to things we allow to interfere with the important things. It's interesting, isn't it? There's no or little cumulative value to the things we allow to interfere with the important things. In six months' time, if I asked you what you did, instead of exercise, instead of family time, instead of date night, instead of coming to church, instead of your devotion life, you probably won't be able to tell me. Because there's no cumulative value to what we do instead of those really important things. But number five, in the critical areas of life, you cannot make up for lost time is why I sit in front of people and their marriage is like a wreck, a wreck. Because of neglect, because of failure to, to deal with stuff, because of denial, because of all sin, because of all kinds of stuff. And then they desperately want to make up for lost time and it's so hard, isn't it? And so young people, we cram for exams because we don't study and we don't work. Or you know what many of us do at the start of January, we're going on crash diets and mega workouts. We're cramming because we've neglected to do the right things over a long period of time. And the Bible calls that foolishness. But if we could ask this one question, what's the wise thing to do? Given my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And if we'd have the courage to face up to the answer when we ask it, I think our lives would be completely different. So as we finish this morning, I want to give you three practical responses. Firstly, I want to challenge you to ask it. I want to challenge you every decision that you come to every opportunity so the next time you want to lie in on a Sunday morning and not come to church or the next time you have a dinner date with your wife or your husband and you want to cancel it because something else is going on, or whatever it is ask it what's the wise thing to do what's the wise thing and if you miss one the world isn't going to stop turning but if you continue to do that there will be a cumulative effect. I want to encourage you to ask it, this incredible question. Secondly, in your notes, uh, I've given you an opportunity there to engage a little bit and I want to encourage you to do it now. We'll take it home with you. You can write the question, what's the wise thing to do? But on there, there's the response, ask it. And then one thing, what's one thing you could do? What's one small investment of time you could do consistently over a long period of time, professionally, relationally, financially, spiritually, that if you did it, It would be a wise investment of time. It would make a difference. Write it down. And the third thing I want to encourage you to do is this. Last year, we did something for the first time. And we're doing it again because it was so important. We're running a personal MOT. Okay? So we're not lifting you up on things checking your chassis or anything like that okay what we basically this is a personal MOT where we basically encourage you and we we facilitate it together you'll be in small groups we'll lead you through it's three hours on a Saturday morning so it's an investment of time okay but three hours where we'll encourage you to look back on 2014 to kind of reflect a little bit okay and where did God do things and where did you make decisions and where they're good and where they weren't quite so good and what happened to you and different things and then begin to think and plan and pray about this year and saying, God, what is it you want me to do this year? You see, none of us plan to mess up our lives. We just don't plan not to. We just don't plan not to. So if you value your life, okay, spiritually and character wise and your relationships and everything else, if you have your best interests at heart, I want to encourage you to go to the back afterwards and sign up because that three hours of your life, yes, you could do lots of other things on a Saturday morning, but that three hours of your life might be the best investment that you ever make. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we've got another challenge for you as well. We start starting an Alpha course tomorrow night here at 7.30 or Friday in the morning. Again, you can go at the back and sign up. Eight weeks investment of eight Monday nights or eight Friday mornings just to check out whether this Christianity thing is true and relevant and maybe something for you to pursue. It could be the best investment of time you ever make in your life. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have our best interests at heart. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the relevance of your word. God, we talked about some Bible verses that were written thousands of years ago this morning. And yet they are so relevant, so up to date. We look at our world, Lord Jesus, which has neglected the truth that you've given us. If only we lived like this. If only, Lord, we made decisions like this. If only we treated each other like this. If only we looked after our own personal affairs like this. If only, God, we were to ask it and to respond to this question. Lord, imagine how different things could be. But Father, you've given us your light. You've given us your truth. So God, I pray this morning that every single one of us this year will ask it. We'll ask it. What's the wise thing for me to do? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing as we finish. And you know, I know that as we head into a new year, uh, many of us will be thinking about, you know, what's going to happen to me this year? You know, where's direction going to come? How am I not going to be shipwrecked? And you know, when we ask these kind of questions and when we center our lives on Jesus, the Bible says that he's a light that shines on our path. And there's a great new song that we've been learning the last few months called Lighthouse. And again, we're going to sing. It's a little bit of fun, but it's a great lot of truth in this song as well. That if we would kind of centre ourselves into God, whatever happens this year, He is our lighthouse. His light will shine its way through. So why don't we stand together and we're going to sing as we finish.